Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of guests on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. My guest on today's episode is the senior reporter for Waypoints, Patrick Klepik. Uh, this is a delightful chat. Um, a long time in the making, as many of many of my shows are. Um, you know, there's there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes here that, that you don't realise. Um, our original interview was was stalled thanks to uh, uh, a notorious child, not a notorious child, just simply a child that that Patrick had that kind of scuppered our plans for for a little while. Uh, but it was it was great to finally get together and chat, and uh, it's it's a really great episode. I think you'll uh, I think you'll very much enjoy it. Um, yeah, it is weird. Like, there are people that, you know, will be on the show eventually that I have been in correspondence with for a long time, like almost since the inception of the show. And I'm sure they'll be worth it. Um, curiously, you know, some of the, the more popular guests, like, for instance, I had uh, Ken Levine on the show last week, the Bioshock creators, a really excellent chat. That came together within about a week or two, and it was super simple and just like, sure, let's chat. Not to say that that Ken Levine is, you know, uh, a better at organizing than, than Patrick Patrick Klepik. I'm simply stating uh, that in my experience, he he absolutely is. <laughs> um, uh, if this is if this happens to be your first episode, uh, please do dig back into the the back catalog. There are tons of of great episodes. They're all evergreen. There's a lot of really interesting chats. Uh, and as always, if you if you enjoy the show, please do rate and review it on iTunes, or uh, tell a friend about it, or share it on on social media, or ideally all of the above, uh, because you know I want to try and reach as wide an audience as, as possible. And you know. People sharing the show is the absolute best way of doing that, or leaving a, a rating or review, or both. Um, if you really like the show, there's a Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints. Uh, if you have the money and the, the inclination, all donations are, are very gratefully received and go into making the show as good as it possibly can be. Um, if you would like to contact the show, you can email. It's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com, or it's at Checkpoint Show on Twitter or it's Checkpoints Podcast on Facebook. It's very important to have consistent branding. Um, I, I, I do this whole intro every every single week and it's got to the point now where it's it's become quite rote. Um, like I'm barely even thinking about the words that I'm, I'm saying, which I hope, you know, lends it a certain element of uh, professionalism, but it, it removes some of the thrill for me, I have to be honest. <laughs> Uh, see, even this this is me just talking for the for the sake of, of talking um let, let's 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 quit while we're ahead thanks as always for downloading the show um i hope you enjoy it i'll be back next week with a new episode and a new guest but until then let's get on with the show get back on the travel train starting with d3 but uh i'm kind of just airing on the side of uh being at home uh for for a little while now and how how is uh how is fatherhood treating you is it is it fun 
I mean, she's not dead yet, so I feel okay, like you know um, I've I've done the bare minimum uh, that is asked of you. Uh, no, it's been great. Uh, it's been uh, interesting and fascinating, and uh, uh, both exactly what I expected and and nothing like what I expected, which I feel is kind of kind of what you're looking for. So yeah, no, it's been good. I'm curious about this because like a lot of my friends, they I'm, I'm of that age where most of my friends are having kids and stuff, um, right. And, you know, we're all a bunch of nerds who grew up together all loving video games. And I'm curious, like, how much... I, I hate to I hate to use the sort of the, the phrase min-maxing, but, like, do you think about rearing your child in, in those terms? Like, not literally min-maxing, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, you know, putting together some kind of strategy, you know, as opposed to just hoping for the best. Uh, no, I think the first thing you learn uh, once you have a kid is that all you can do is hope for the best. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, you can have uh, you can have tactics. Maybe you can have more tactics than strategy. But um, at the end of the day, you, you are your life is more dictated by them than you are going to dictate their life. And so I think you're mostly just. You know, when I joke about you're just trying to not let them kill themselves, that's often mostly what you're going for because uh, what you'd like to do with them is not necessarily what they're going to want to do with you. (laughs) Okay, so back to the formalities. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, If you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm the uh, senior reporter or a senior reporter. I guess at someday they could get another one, but at least for now I can say the senior reporter for uh, Waypoint, which is the sort of gaming division of uh, Vice. And how is that? that that's that been relatively recent. Like it's within the last sort of year or so, right? Yeah, I, I had been working, you know, I'd been at Giant Bomb for uh, the better part of uh, four years. Then I was over at Kotaku for about a year and a half and then had an opportunity to uh, go team up with Austin Walker um, late last summer, um, which is just a an opportunity I really just could not turn down. And uh, so, yeah, I joined them uh, at the middle of August, end of August. It was right before uh, my daughter was born, which was, of course, just the best time oh, perfect, to switch yeah. jobs. Just, you know, I really nailed the timing on that because one. Because you've got so much uh, free time at that, at that stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, you know, things come along when they come along. And uh, that that's, uh, was an opportunity, like I said, that I just couldn't pass up because, you know, weirdly, you know, Austin uh, took my spot after I left Giant Bomb. And, you know, him and I always talked about trying to do things together or doing some sort of side project or podcast or something or other and then yeah. when the the chance came up to actually just literally team up and start a new website it, i mean I, it was just it was a dream come true and it's it's been it's been wonderful ever since oh it's really good i'm like i'm very much enjoying the the new sort thank of, you uh, coverage and reporting it's really it's it's really weird though like how i think this is true for like any anyone that you're aware of in in the public eye how you associate them with very specific things so to me you were always the the guy that replaced Luke Smith on one of yours, however briefly, because <laughs> that not, was that's like a generational gap. It now. absolutely like, is. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely is a generational thing. But that was that that show specifically was such a because it was like the first big podcast I think that I was aware of. It was very formative for a lot of people. So yeah, it's yeah, just I mean, really it, weird. It, it, I mean, that's you know. always what I think of first when I think of you. Yeah, I mean, Giant Bomb couldn't have existed without One Up in a lot of ways, and absolutely. to have been part of. Uh, both of those and not, I was not formative at one up, nor was I formative at giant bomb, but I I somehow managed to, um, at different points be part of, of two really amazing things that, 
uh, I think a lot, you know, things like kind of funny and other places, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, and I'm not putting words in their mouth. I think they would, they would outright, uh, credit places like that as being direct inspirations for a lot of the stuff Absolutely. Um, that's happened, uh, since, but yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it's weird to think of, uh, Luke Smith, who, uh, is someone that I, you know, still consider a friend and, and chat with, um, and discuss new Weezer albums with, um, that, you know, he is now the design director on Destiny. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're just, you're the asshole I just used to get drunk with uh, and talk about uh, video games with. It's like, well, well, now we do that. And, you know, you also happen to be in charge of one of the biggest franchises in games. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to do a brief aside. Uh, what do you think of the recent Weezer output? Oh, it's terrible, but I listened to it anyway. Oh. But then I, now I feel... Um, I mean, you know, I have deeply complicated thoughts. Like, for example, the most recent album, I think, is a perfectly fine uh, pop album if you don't listen to the lyrics. Um, But that's not necessarily the reason I got into Weezer in the first place, because Weezer is sort of like the band that defined uh, a lot of my teenage years um, uh, and a lot of the angst I, I experienced as a teenager, you know, was was something I worked out through an album like Pinkerton. Um but I, I, the whole Weezer thing has gotten incredibly complicated for me because uh, around the time that Luke Smith, he messaged me and said, hey, you need to listen to this new Weezer album. I, you know, we're more or less on the same page that this band is garbage, but we listen to it anyway. Uh, he said, give the new one a chance. And I, I thought it was like legitimately like I, I listened to it for the better part of a couple of weeks and found uh, the melodies to be really good, which is, you know, something Rivers Cuomo, the you know lead singer songwriter has always been good at, even in, even when he's, you know, the bands put out uh, some great albums. Uh, and then I tweeted about it. And then as a result, Rivers Cuomo started following me on Twitter, which is like, great. Rivers Cuomo is now following me on Twitter as a result of me passive aggressively shit talking <laughs> his new album. He never responded. I think he, I think he might have something set up where he just auto follows okay, accounts okay. that are verified and have a certain like. There are ways to like set up like control of your Twitter account where it's like, oh, if someone mentions you and they have a verified account and they have X number of followers, maybe there's someone that you want to follow. Because yeah. I then wrote him like this nuanced pseudo apology and also explaining this story where him and I hung out when I was like 16, which is true, which is a whole nother aside. Uh, and he never responded or faved the tweets. So I guess what I'm saying is screw rivers Cuomo. <laughs> but you know, the first two albums masterpieces. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and they uh, just get, I mean, uh, that's true of most bands though. They, they get summer worse. songs, two K. If anyone's a hardcore Weezer fan, they know what that is. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that those songs that could have been a good album. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I think everyone has the band that st- has still around that continues to torture them and they'll listen to the new album, uh, just so they can complain about it on Facebook. Absolutely. It's, it's important. These things, they're, they're the ties to our youth. And as much as I would love to do a whole show on, on Weezer, this is, uh, this is about <laughs> video games. So, so let's, let's meander back. This is, this is a very much a, a wander back into your past, Patrick. So if you can remember, what was your very first experience of a video game? You know, people have asked me that before and I've, I wish I had, I don't have like a, a specific, um, first memory with a video game but i have sort of general hazy memories of of how like my interactions with games got started you know we had uh, our family had one of those 
it was an Atari 2600, but it was it was like a dedicated Pong machine. You know, it was a machine yeah, yeah, that just exactly. did Pong, and then you would, you know, there was a knob uh, or switch that you would move between that would give you different versions of Pong that you could play. Yeah, the um, doubles so that, and soccer and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I distinctly remember having that in uh, our, our home, and, and I feel like that was, I don't think people necessarily thought of Pong as like, we're bringing video games in the home. It was just sort of a toy um, to have around and then but was at some that just point, in the house though like you know as in this is a family thing people are into games you just you were born into a house with video games in them i don't know i mean i've been you know I, this question has been asked me enough times that i should actually just ask my mom at some point why we had it like i don't i don't, <laughs> I don't know if i was an influence on that or if that was something our family just got like it's 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 hard for me to know like i'm not it's not clear to me the timeline of like was it just a popular thing to buy for kids so yeah. they bought it for the kids or what was i showing an interest in video games and so they bought it for me but i, I you know uh pong uh you know from whatever amount of time we spent with it it wasn't until the nes that like it, it sort of went from uh just a perhaps a gimmicky toy in the house to something that became sort of a, a hobby um, of 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 mine um, for my brother as well. He doesn't really play games as much these days, but uh, back then, both of, both him uh, and I, who were about two years apart, he's two years younger than me, uh, were, were deeply obsessed with uh, video games. And uh, you know, one of the few times I played games with my parents was my dad worked uh, in uh, in football uh, and uh, sort of football equipment and selling other types of sports equipment, and so he would play Tecmo. Tecmo Bowl, I almost said Super Bowl, in which there was a Tecmo Super Bowl, but Tecmo Bowl was the game that yeah. uh, we played with him um, um, all the time. And so while video games and the NES specifically were something that mostly uh, was for me and my brother, there were occasions that it became sort of a familial thing. And actually my mom got uh, deeply obsessed to the point where we were taking it away from her, um, <laughs> uh, Tetris, uh, on the original Game Boy um, where you know we'd go out. She was a you know stay-at-home mom, and uh, so we'd go off to school eventually, and then she would just stay at home and play Tetris like, to the point where she told us like, "Hey, like take this. Like you, I know you're not supposed to probably take a Game Boy to school, but like take this with you. Like I yesterday I spent four hours just sitting and playing Tetris. Um, so you know, video games were very very much part of our um, our household growing up long before yeah, I had any aspirations uh, in in getting more involved. And you were the you were the older brother, so obviously you had you had control of the console. I'm assuming, right? Well, I mean, yes and no. Um, the way that uh, my brother tells the stories are, are are less that I was controlling over uh, what games to play because our relationship, especially younger, was very much he was he was interested in whatever I was interested in. So I don't he didn't necessarily have a huge issue. Uh, with like watching me play a game, um, because that's just the kind of the the, the brotherly relationship we had um, in our youth. But as we got older, I would try. It, in retrospect, it seems conniving. Um, at the time, uh, I was just trying to get what I want, <laughs> which maybe are the same thing. It's pretty much the but, same thing. Uh, you know, like at Christmas, you know, games were getting more expensive. Like I remember specifically around the time when the PlayStation was coming out. Um, you know, my Basically, the pitch I got from my parents was, look, um, you know, you can get a PlayStation for Christmas, but then it's a joint gift. It's what your brother and you are getting. Um, you know, it's it's too expensive to be something that um, that just you're going to get for Christmas. OK. And so I somehow found a way, you know, I had to run a, a 
yeah, a marketing campaign with my brother to convince <laughs> him, you need to be on board with this group gift. And so I'd have to find games that I thought he'd be interested in or I'd you know, convince them that he would be interested in them uh, so we could get the PlayStation as a, as a joint gift. And Do you remember I what did. games you picked out? Off. What games you were um, like, okay, this my brother's going to be into this. Let's get this one. And there were there were those games like Twisted Metal and games like that. Like we were joint. Like the, the PlayStation was around probably the last console that uh, I was able to really get my brother um, into. The last maybe not get him into, but it was the last one before he kind of found other interests like music. Um, but he why still though? Definitely like what re- is the like what sort of age are you at? I'm trying to get like I'm really fascinated by this. Like okay, I need to convince him what games he's going to be into. So like I, I was entering. Uh, you know, I was probably late middle school. He was. Um, uh, late elementary school for so that you know that's let me work it back in my head um let's see if you graduate uh high school 18 19 so you know we're looking you know we're looking at we're like you know he's probably you know 10 and i'm probably 12 oh so um, twisted metal is perfect right that's that appeals yeah. to every young boy Scott. Oh, totally. But it was just, you know, he, he, you know, naturally as you grow up, like you, you know, maybe your primary interest in your youth is not, you know, changes as you find other yeah. hobbies. Um, that, that was just the last, you know, after the PlayStation, it was, you know, I had to go and invest in my own consoles. I had to find a way to pay for an N64, or, you know, start selling games to, to get a, a PlayStation two, um, or get a job as it were as, as that, that stuff went on. But, um, yeah, the, the PlayStation was the last time I was able to get my brother on board with that. And, you know, he was interested in resident evil and games like final fantasy a, a little bit, but, uh, at some point he, he knew I was, you know, uh, pulling a ruse and <laughs> <laughs> got old enough to figure out I was I was tricking him out of getting other gifts for Christmas. So why do you think there was the the separation? Like why did you stick with video games and and he sort of moved away from it? Was there a specific game or just a specific reason you were so interested in them? You think? I mean, I I don't I don't know. There's a specific reason. Like game, you know, there were just games that kept grabbing my attention. You know, it's like you know, I distinctly remember. Um, you know, RPGs was not something I was interested in during the NES era, but late, uh, late uh, Super Nintendo and then early PlayStation, like RPGs were one of the primary genres that I was interested in playing, you know, around the time that um, Final Fantasy VII came out, you know, it was probably one of the only games that I managed to, you know, max the clock out on to 999999. That's um, insane. Uh, not so insane when you're in middle school and you have whole summers to yourself. I suppose. Um, and, you know, you can, you know, you can play a game from eight o'clock at night till four in the morning and then just sleep till one in the afternoon. And you have no responsibilities oh, other than doing that over and over again. Glory days, um, Patrick. Glory days. <laughs> it's funny because uh, when my daughter was born, uh, I had sort of two weeks uh, to stay home um, and ostensibly hang out with her. But, you know, what they don't tell you about a, a, a two-week-old baby is they don't do anything. They um, they cry, they eat, um, and they pee, and they poo. But other than that, um, they mostly just sleep in your arms. You don't really, you know, you're not playing with a baby who's two weeks old. Um, and so I had a lot of time to play games. Like, I would, my wife would, uh, it was, you know, up at night uh, uh, feeding the baby and, and, and things like that. Um, and so during the day I would try and help her out by letting her take, uh, either sleep later or take naps. And so I'd have the baby and the baby sleeping and I would play games. Like I played, you know, probably 
50, 60 hours of, uh, of games, uh, in the, in the two weeks I had, because I was just literally sitting on the couch with this baby for days at a time. Um, and it's just, that was not nearly as appealing as it was when you were in middle school. I actually got burnt out and was like, I need to go do something else because these video games are killing me. Um, it's weird. No, I, I think have... that's an accumulation thing though, isn't it? Because I mean, I get that now. I mean, I, I still really love video games, but there are sort of even like I, I maybe sort of have in my head, oh, I've got a whole evening three free. I can just sit and play video games all evening. And after an hour or two, I'm like, oh, I should really do something else. <laughs> because it's not i think a lot of time it's not necessarily a brand new experience a lot of time it's kind of you know sure. it's repackaged and even if it's like an amazing version of it it's still you don't get that same sense of oh my god what else is there to do in this you know yeah and it's you know also your your palate expand you know i'm you absolutely know, there, are there are movies i want to watch there are you know eight bajillion television shows ever going to get around to whereas you know my uh, when I was, you know, younger, like video games were my thing. And so, uh, and also, you know, I, these days, if I want to play a new video game, I can go on steam and buy it, um, yeah. and, or on PSN or, or XBL. Like, you know, that was not the case, you know, as a kid, it was like, well, I don't have the money to buy a new game. So like, what if I just get all of the ultimate weapons in like final fantasy, uh, 10, uh, and just, and just do that. So, um, but I don't know, like to, to circle back to you know, sort of your original question. Uh, I, I just think I've started expanding, uh, the games that I was interested, I was finding new genres yeah. and you know, a game like resident evil became, uh, just a, just an obsession of mine where that franchise was, um, whatever new game was coming out was the one I was looking forward to, um, the most. And so I just, I, I was getting exposed to different kinds of video games and realizing that there was more out there and, I just found myself sticking with video games. Um, also, it was just less, you know, I, I was part of the generation where that that was not really that strange. No, um, no. It's, it's even more different than it is now. Um, like, there were still uh, folks that would kind of look at you weird that you weren't, like, you know, weird at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, and I just but did you find your, your tribe, though? Like, you know, if, if your brother's not as interested, you know, did you, like, form a friendship group around video games? Not really. Um, I sort of ended up having sort of the same core friend group uh, most of my life. Um, and things didn't really change very much until uh, uh, college when things were kind of forced to be sh uh, shooken up a little bit. And so it and was so more that. So they didn't play games as much was... as you, though? No, 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 no. I was pretty much on my own with games. And I think that's part of what led me to uh, sort of seek communities online because uh, in my personal life, I wasn't getting much out of my friends in terms of my interest in, in video games. You know, they would they would come in and out of video games. You know, we would play like Bomberman and, and things like that. It's not that my friends were uh, weren't into games. It just wasn't their like my all most of my friends took a pivot to music. And yeah. then I was the one that kind of stuck with. Uh, with video games and so they'd come back in when I'd find something that they found interesting um, but uh, in terms of like being able to sit around and talk about video games and get excited about what's coming coming up like I had to uh, go online to find that because at around the same time all this pivot was happening you know computers were becoming pretty commonplace in uh, people's homes and so I was able to find message boards and you know AOL uh, groups and other places where folks were talking about video games and so are you of that age where that was already a thing by the time you had the interest in it or were you kind of did you spend a couple of years just with you know like magazines were basically the the early internet community that was that was the way of feeling like you were part of something bigger you know 
Yeah, no, I've def- I, I essentially uh, was was there for all that evolving and, and coming into to practice. I mean, I, I definitely was a Nintendo Power uh, EGM uh, kid um, where that's where I figured out what games I was interested in and what was coming out. And, um, you know, our family f- pretty early on got a computer, at least relative to what it seemed like. Or are there, are, you know, a lot of our friends started getting them a couple of years later, but it seemed like we were a bit ahead of the curve. I think part of that had to do with the fact that my interest in video games also extended to a larger interest in technology. Okay. And so my parents were keen to uh, sort of like, that seems interesting. Like, you know, maybe that's something we should, you know, he's staying inside all the time. So maybe <laughs> we should give him something uh, uh, more to work with. Uh, and so computers were a natural extension uh, of that and then you know around the time we got a com- you know when we first got a computer there was no internet but then that changed as things like AOL and CompuServe and Prodigy uh, started coming along uh you know we we our first computer didn't have windows we had DOS but then you know not long after that we had Windows 3.1 and once we had Windows 3.1 that was around the time that the internet started uh, kind of becoming an, a thing in an early form. Um, and did you and, tinker you know, with the computer? Like, did you, was kind of making games anything that you, you were ever interested in? Did you try and kind of pull things apart and see how they worked? No, no, that, not then, not now. Uh, you know, I own a house uh, now and uh, I have friends that are like, man, I bought a house and now I want to know how an oven works. And I'm like, you know what? When that oven breaks, I call someone who knows how it works. Like, <laughs> The like inside tinkering, uh, or at least doing it myself, has never been something that has particularly grabbed me. Um, uh, you know, when I want to buy a new PC, like I, I pay someone to put that PC yeah. together. <laughs> like, it's weird that, though. It's weird like, how that divide happens because I'm I'm exactly the same. But you know, especially people who are into video games, which is most of the people that I speak to on the show, like that kind of there does tend to be this very sort of specific divergence where people just become obsessed with how they work and you know in that same kind of i suppose it's a, it scratches that same itch as kind of puzzle solving in games does you know you, you figure out something and you feel clever but then there is there, it's mo- and it is generally people diverge in between kind of video game journalists and and uh, video game creators it's yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't I, I can't I have nothing more to say about it other than i think it's quite an interesting sort of divergence because it's so explicit it's not like oh i tinkered and then i thought no that's not for me it's like no i didn't really care about that just cared about how yeah. they made me feel and stuff. Well, in the same way, you know, like I, I joke about uh, hiring an expert to come, you know, fix my oven in my house. Um, you know, part of what I enjoy about the work that I do is that I don't necessarily, you know, I can call up experts to explain things to me. I, you know, I, 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 I learn things constantly, but it's by talking to people who know more than me as yeah. opposed to being the person who does no more. Um, and so I actually find that, you know, informs my work a lot because, you know, I can start with a question or a question someone raises and yeah, let's go find out what the answer to that is or what, you know, what is the, the, the messy gray area that people are trying to work out. So I, I think I'm not surprised that you, you find that divide in folks that you talk to, because I think that may inform you know, how they ended up in different lines of work. Absolutely. So did you ever think like at a young age that maybe I could, I could write about games? Like, did you ever, did that no. ever feel like an obvious thing? No. You could try, no, 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 no. When I started, uh, you know, when the internet started, uh, becoming sort of a thing, um, you know, this is during the, like, I guess late nineties, yeah. uh, I can't remember specifically in my head, but when GeoCities, Angel Fire, Tripod, these websites became a thing in which, um, it became, 
pretty easy for people to build their own websites and modify them by altering like very basic HTML code. Uh, I found that fascinating. And so I started building websites because I thought it was cool to have your own website. And the thing with the website is that you have to put stuff on it. And I started out by just copying and pasting also, also known as stealing, um, <laughs> text and reviews from, you know, websites I was, uh, reading at the time, like early incarnations of IGN, also known as the Imagine Games Network at the time. Uh, and th- then I started kind of putting my own stuff on there. I started writing my own thoughts on uh, games that I was into at the time. Um, and I also was fortunate enough that the communities I ended up finding online uh, were connected to games writing. So at the time, uh, EGM and a bunch of other magazines were produced out of Lombard, Illinois, um, because that's where uh, Ziff Davis uh, was making those magazines. Um, and I grew up in the um, northwest suburbs of Chicago. Okay. And uh, I, I happened to be in... So the you know, people these days are pretty familiar with the message board NeoGAF. Um, but the history of NeoGAF um, is GAF means gaming age forums and the neo is because they split off from the website gaming age um and the gaming age forums where they separated at a certain point when the forums are kind of outstripping or coming into conflict with the editors of the website gaming age okay i found myself uh floating towards this gaming age community and the gaming age forums and they had uh a number of those folks uh were part of an irc channel and I kind of kind of found myself falling into that IRC channel community, and in that IRC channel community were a bunch of editors for EGM. And so, at a very young age, I found myself chatting regularly on a daily basis with people who were editing um, upcoming issues of EGM that I was waiting for in <laughs> in the mail, um, and ended up, you know, getting to know those people and then becoming my friends and. Those folks are people that are, you know, are now close friends of mine and colleagues that I've stayed in touch with uh, for for years later. Um, but this simultaneously is kind of happening where I'm in high school and people are asking, "What are you going to do in college?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I have no discernible skills." <laughs> and I honestly don't. I mean, I'm sure I would have. I would have had to have figured it out. I would have found something else, I guess. But I, you know, there were teachers that pointed me towards saying, "Hey, you know, you're." You're, you seem to be a talented writer. You know, there are ways to get paid to write that don't involve having to be, you know, uh, you know, creativity didn't necessarily come to me in the way that I thought I was going to write novels or yeah. something, something like that. Like, you know, fiction didn't, wasn't something that I thought was going to, uh, work out for me. But, you know, at the time <laughs> working in journalism was like a legitimate path to getting paid a reasonable wage in, in writing and that that is a much more messier and complicated path these days. Um, but at the time, it was absolutely a, a legitimate career path. And so I had high school teachers that you know pointed me towards uh, the, the high school newspaper. And so I got involved in the high school newspaper. Eventually became um, the editor in chief of the the paper in my senior year. Um, and that set me on a path to go to school and uh, uh, sign up for print journalism um, and sort of get us uh, more sort of form, you know, be able to tell my parents like, look, I'm going to get a degree in this stuff. I mean, my parents took it seriously much sooner than that because in high school, uh, because of these connections with folks, um, in EGM, like I was writing stuff for 
EGM and other places in high school and getting paid uh, like actual money, like way too much money for uh, <laughs> a high school kid that didn't have real bills to be getting. What um, was the the first thing you got paid to write, if you can remember? Well, I think it was when I started writing for this website, Gaming Age, and they weren't paying me per article. They were just paying me sort of a flat fee to uh, just help out and do different things. And it was like, I want to say I got like a check for like $500 a month. And I was like, I don't want to like an uh, an absurd age, like 14 or something like that. It was just way too much money to be getting at 14. So my parents... (laughs) They would let me keep half of it, and then they invested the other half in some sort of fund that I still have money put aside in to these. They were very responsible. Like that was like the most responsible. I didn't really understand it at the time, and I was frustrated. They were taking away my money, but also I still had like two hundred and fifty dollars. Exactly. Like yeah. Shitload of money. And it was Did all you the just games. Buy I every could, game, basically. I, I I mean, I they also restricted how I could spend that money. My parents like were aware that. Like this is that is still too much money, um, but yeah, I, you know, uh, I, so it, stuff like that allowed you know allowed my parents to understand that what I was doing was, uh, you know, there was a, a sort of a dark period where I was like spending a lot of time playing games on this computer. My parents like not that I wasn't social, I didn't still have friends, but I think they were worried like where is this all going because yeah. they didn't have a great under they didn't really use computers themselves they didn't really have a great understanding of what was going on and then when i started getting checks in the mail they're like oh <laughs> okay this is fine all this right is fine. maybe this is going somewhere and so that's kind of what led to all these other steps of trying to find a legitimate path of like and what high sort school of, what sort of stuff were you writing though like what like was it just reviews and stuff yeah basically like in high school i would like uh, license games like people that didn't the games that no one wanted to play, like I would be the person who would happily take that and write about it for either Gaming Age or um, some of these other publications. Like Game Spy was an early one online that I was writing for. Um, and then I got in, when I got into college, and I had actually kind of started to wrap my head around interviewing and feature writing. Like that's when I was writing things for like Computer Games World and. Um, was it Xbox Nation, I think was the magazine. I can't remember specifically, but I was writing like proper feature pieces that were showing up um, in the magazine. And I was kind of just slowly working my way through that um, as as the years went on. But I, yeah, I pretty much started writing uh, bad Harry Potter games. And then <laughs> like I would get paid to write those. And then I would also turn in the games to GameStop, which is like a huge ethical lapse. But I was... <laughs> 16 so screw off and that was also like an extra 20 bucks i could get so like i wasn't really thinking about like the ethics of writing about a game and then turning that game into gamestop uh at the time um so i'm, uh, I'm interested in, in in the university thing right because this is this is you know everybody's chance to to reinvent themselves should they wish like did you go to university as just the guy who was really into games did you bring all your consoles and stuff i mean obviously yeah, if you're writing no. about them then you would be but yeah, no, I, I brought all that stuff, and so I, I would say uh, there was a specific moment I remember in college where um, Halo Halo was like the thing um, um, in our dorms because uh, with Halo 1, which didn't have online multiplayer um, unless you used like weird hacking stuff to, yeah. to get to like trick a LAN to play online. Um, but when you're connected to a dorm network, uh, 
that is a site. It feels like you're on the internet because you could literally load up Halo at any time during the day and there would be like 30 different games going because that's like what everyone was playing in uh, the dorms. Um, and so the release of Halo 2 was like, I mean, like just more like a lot of people in college uh, my age. Um, and Halo 2 leaked off of a production plant I remember. in France. And you could play the French um, version of the game. Yes. And uh, so a friend of mine uh, who is like the most computer savvy on our floor, like, I didn't know how to pirate game. Like I think torrents were maybe like an early thing at the time, and I didn't really understand how they, how they worked. Um, but he downloaded a copy of uh, Halo 2 and had a burner and was able to burn this copy of Halo 2. And I had an Xbox um, that was modded so it could play um, yeah. this disc that he burned. Um, and so then we started uh, charging people to come into my room to play <laughs> Halo 2 multiplayer. Um, we had sign-up sheets for multiplayer outside of uh, outside of my dorm room. Um, I hilariously would make people... I had some dumb toy ring. I was like, kiss my ring if you want to come in and play <laughs> Halo oh, 2 you're multiplayer. The worst. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? They did it. Um <laughs> And so yeah, so Halo was was very much the thing, and especially at college, like a lot, everyone played video games, like a lot of Smash Brothers, a lot of Halo, a lot of GoldenEye, like the the, the, the video game sitting around and playing video games all day was not you were not judged for that um, yeah. at all um, in college. Like there were just too many people um, that were uh, that had come up the same way um, that I, I found that to not be. Um, I found I found my people in college. Absolutely, um, and did you, we would all we'd all get drunk, but we'd also play a lot of video games. What about the the writing? Was that something that people think? Oh, that's that's really cool. It was like, ah, okay. They were happy. They thought it was cool that I would get free video games. Like that's <laughs> it know, is like, cool. Uh, you know, I'd get games early. I'd get games free. Um, and so that's you know, uh, I think people were you know, vaguely. Uh, aware of what I was doing uh, on the side, but you know, they they mostly enjoyed the fringe benefits, uh, which I didn't really blame them for. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to take a brief aside, Patrick, for some mm. relatively quick fire questions, but they're they're never really quick fire questions. Um, if Patrick, you had to play a game with death for your very mortal soul, uh, what game are you best at? It what is death? Is, are we? Is it one on one? Yeah, death... like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey style, or the Seventh Seal for the the suits. Do I know what death is good at? Like, do I have any awareness of? You've death already thought skills? about this more than anyone else that's been on the show so far. No, well, you have no like idea about that's death. important to the the pick. Like, if I know that like he's bad at fighting games, like maybe I'm going to pick a fighting well, game that I'm better you're, at. You're going to assume death is some sort of omnipotent being. It's going to have a fairly high skill level across all genres. I'd, ima- I'd imagine. Okay, that's fair. I guess uh, probably uh, because I've invested so much time in it in the last two years. Or so, uh, I think, uh, well, I guess I'd have to pick. I'd, I'd pick Super Mario Maker. I would pick Super Mario Maker because that encompasses a bunch of different Mario games. And I've have, at this point, I mean, I've probably atrophied a little bit because I haven't been playing daily like I was for the better part of a year. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm pretty... Like there are very few games I would say I'm good at, but like the Mario history, like you know the Mario one three 
world uh, and the, the new Super Mario games, like, I've got those mechanics down pretty good. I feel oh, like I could keep this That would be the perfect ending to, to that whole tale, would be you I playing mean, Yeah, playing Dan Reichert is, like, the equivalent of death anyway, yeah. so I feel like I've already beaten death by beating Dan Reichert. Um, so yeah, I feel like death is, like, a step down. Patrick, easy, yeah. easy. Um, okay, uh, has there ever been a game that's kind of consumed your life to the point where you've had to uninstall it and walk away because it was uh, it was taken over? Mm-hmm. I feel like games like that in my youth, like Final Fantasy VII that I maxed out the clock, don't really count because I didn't really have much else going on. So uh, I feel like that's more of a question in your adult life when you have like other real responsibilities. Um, you know, like uh, Spelunky was probably a game that I got just incredibly into for the better part of six months and had to finally just walk away from like, it's, it's a game that has quote unquote an ending when you finish hell, sort of the secret world of that game that requires you to do a bunch of different ridiculous things to even access. Um, and so that I could have played and kept playing Spelunky forever. And I finally just had to like give myself an end point and that game's beating hell was the end point. Like, yes, there was still more to discover more I could have done, but eh, like at some point with, we all got to move on. We and for, for on. me, Spelunky was beating hell and then saying, okay, I'm washing my hands <laughs> and moving uh, on. Um, I, I feel like I already know the answer to this, but are you are you a competitive person? Has, has there been any... Uh, let's set aside the, the Mario Maker with, with Dan Reichert for now, mm-hmm. but has there ever been a game where you've just been like competitive to the point where you kind of frightened yourself a little bit, perhaps? No, not really. I mean, I don't, I don't tend to play multiplayer games. I don't, I don't tend to uh, fall down that hole too much. Um, you know, obviously there are exceptions like the... Like you mentioned, the competition I had sort of with uh, with Dan Reichert over over Mario Maker levels, and you know I I got into some scraps with Spelunky with uh, folks like Chris Remo, where we try and compete on the the daily challenges that that game had. But by and large, no, like not a particularly competitive person because I think uh, I would lose, so I just assume <laughs> to lose. <laughs> uh, on, on a similar tip, then, um, if you are a person who is prone to such things, what is your worst rage quit. Worst rage quit. I don't know if I have a particularly like worst, but I have. I, I'm reminded on a daily basis. Recently, I have the desk that I'm sitting at. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was playing uh, the Dark Souls-like game Neo, um, sort of samurai bent. Dark Souls like Souls like game, however we want to classify that. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I don't know. It was some shitty boss. He pissed me off, and I, I slammed my controller into my desk, and there's a very clear dent um, in my desk. Now, granted, this is a cheap IKEA desk that I think if you uh, coughed in the wrong direction, it would also create a dent in it. But there is a very clear dent that is right here to the right of my microphone. That is that is the Neo Smaster <laughs> controller into the desk. And then I got worried because I looked at the desk and like part of the plastic had moved, and I was like, okay, controllers are expensive these days, y'all. Like, Absolutely. you break your controller, that's like seventy dollars. Well, the fact so, that the the desk broke and not the controller is a testament to the quality of that desk. I think. Yeah. And to the quality of that controller. Uh, yeah. So thank thank you for not breaking controller because 
and my wife would not. Why did you spend seventy dollars on a controller? <laughs> Don't you have one? <laughs> I smashed it. <laughs> the game was hard. Um, yeah, I'm sure that'll work. The given you know the the broad uh, swathe of emotions that video games are able to portray, I think one of the the rarest is is comedy. So, Patrick, what what games have really made you laugh? Hmm. There was one I was I don't know why there's one that's on the tip of my tongue that I can't think. I mean, you know, generally, generally speaking, Tim Schafer's games have always. Uh, mm-hmm. That made me genuinely laugh in a in a way that um, I was appreciated. You know, right now I'm playing through um, Night in the Woods, um, which is a a game that I am also I find myself genuinely laughing at um, in a way that's not setting up explicit jokes. It's more just charming and funny and witty yeah. um, in a way that it's not like it's just pervasive throughout, as opposed to like it's joke time um and uh yeah i'm trying to think of other games and i'm kind of i'm grasping on that one but night in the woods is a game that yeah it is just man it is it's funny it's i'm excited sad, to play it's, it's just come out this evening i think in the uk yeah I, I definitely recommend it it's uh it's 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 one of the most well-written games i've played in a long time um okay so let's i'll, I'll circle back to you know you're in college and you're you're playing video games yeah. i'm just i'm curious like during this period, you know, when you're you're writing about games, I'm I'm assuming you to start with that's like, oh my god, this is amazing! I get to play games, and they're paying me for it. This is great. But do you remember like a specific point or a specific game that made you kind of think, oh, this is this is a really worthwhile thing to pursue? Like this is this is not. It sounds too sort of worthy to say, no, this is important. But you know what I mean. But just that changed your perception, maybe from it being a fun thing to do, but like, oh, this no, this could be. A real thing no there was no epiphany moment i just needed a job um it was really it's uh, really disappointing patrick <laughs> yeah yeah no well i could have made up a story that's no no like, that's oh, fine I, it's, it's good to have the honesty emotional experience with a video game and i decided they were art um no it's like i i liked video games like i was a writer and then i found reporting as a way to get paid to write about video games and then I got lucky enough to get freelance opportunities and I got lucky enough to get a full-time job. I sort of ended up working backwards um, in which video games were just uh, a means to an end, which was to get paid um, and to support a living and and all that sort of stuff and have a career. Um, And then as I got older and sort of settled into all of it, I ended up kind of finding sort of a deeper meaning in in games and, and sort of looking to that into my writing and how that I, I could expand beyond just sort of the, the 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 pure reporting that I was doing and trying to to think about games in a, in a different way. That's that's something I found more as I got through my twenties um, than uh, something that really hit me uh, when I was growing up with with video games. It was more just now, man. Video games are video games are cool, man. And then writing about them, all right, that seems fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was it was really like a lot of my career was born out of pragmatism and then as once i realized it was a career and that uh my fear in high school of having no practical skills what am i going to do is now i've been writing about video games for so long i still have no practical skills what am i going (laughs) to do how do you continue to make this job interesting now that i've been doing it for as long as i have been and that i conceivably will be doing it for uh some time to come 
you've got to find a way to make that interesting. And so that's looking for the deeper meaning in games. That's looking for the deeper meaning in video game culture. Um, because if I'm going to sit up every day and write, I've got to remain interested. And so that that's what's led me to the, you know, those epiphanies or those topics is, is trying to make sure that I'm continuing to write stuff that engages me because if it engages me then hopefully it will engage an audience and do you think that's that's because of you changing and getting older or is it the games or maybe likely a combination of both i guess but yeah it's probably that it's i think it's both you know and not that you know there weren't interesting stories being told in games uh or emotional stories being told in games but uh i would say games have uh grown up largely in tandem with my own life changes, um, not beat for beat, but it feels like it's been happening at a, at a similar pace. Um, yeah. and so, uh, uh, and so that's, I, I felt like I've been lucky to grow up, um, alongside, uh, games growing up in a certain sense. And I, and I don't mean to say that the, it means they're more adult. It's more just their, the variety of stories, the kinds of stories, um, is happening at a time when, you know, I'm, you know, having kids and, you know, people around me are passing away. Like I'm interested in different types of stories and storytelling. And at the very time that that's uh, impacting me, uh, games are also pivoting to that. Yeah. Uh, because I think, you know, a lot of the game makers are the folks that are generally within my age group. You know, I'm 32. So, I, you know, I think you, you, the spectrum from, you know, 18 to to 50 like a lot of those people are kind of in that same wheelhouse and they're experiencing those same things and wanting to see those stories and so fortunately that you know it fell in line with me you know wanting to find that kind of that writing to do is uh, the games have uh rewarded me with that by telling those kinds of stories yeah no it's been it's been amazing um just like i'm trying to think of like because we haven't really spoken specifically about any any sort of specific games so like after university and you just you first started sort of getting like full-time work in the industry are there specific games that you remember having like a, a significant impact on you for for whatever reason because of how they affected everyone around you or because of how they would affected you personally yeah i mean i <clears throat> i got to remember um you know the the joke that people uh you know make about like guys oh, you know video games they make you cry um, like I remember, you know, one of the most impactful games, uh, that I'd ever experienced was, um, this game Papa Uyo, which came out a number of years ago for the PlayStation three, um, in which the designer was making a story about, uh, his alcoholic abusive father, um, who, uh, passed away. And the, the, the game was, uh, you know, him trying to work through his complicated feelings about his father. Now, let me be very explicit like i did not have a alcoholic abusive father the only thing i had in common was the idea of losing a father and then uh trying to work through uh however you work uh, or don't work uh, yeah. through through those emotions and so um that game had a real profound impact on me to to the point where i was not super clear if i was able to distinguish whether it was even good or not um because it just spoke to me in a way that uh, I had not really experienced in a game before um, because the game came along at a time when sort of my life had always kind of been a sort of status quo. And then that status quo is shattered, which happens to everyone um, yeah. at different points uh, in their life. And so that game, having that kind of story at that point in my life uh, was a real 
you know, it was a real profound impact for me. And that was not necessarily a turning point as much as like me talking to that designer and, and talking about my feelings about that game. Uh, you know, that was one of those moments along, a a broader timeline that, you know, was pushing me towards different types of stories and different types of games. Um, that, that's certainly one that really sticks out. I, I'm curious now because, you know, playing games can be a really useful tool for, for dealing with things like, like grief or loss or anything like that. any kind of like heartache or any kind of problems really they there are goods like a, a warm blanket. They can be very comforting in their kind of, um, in their predictability, you know, in certain cases, you know, they give you a certain element of control. So, but with, because you've been sort of writing about games for, for so long, like from such a young age, are games able to, to, to do that for you? Do you find like a, a game that you can go to just as a comforting distraction more than anything? Or is it just too ingrained with what you think about work and stuff? Yeah, I think it's too ingrained with what I think about work. Um, uh, because often my, you know, job involves me to kind of keep pushing forward playing the new game so that I can write about it because the stuff I have to write about it has to be relevant to what people are playing so you know boohoo for for me like they yeah <laughs> that's what a, what, a, what a terrible uh life that is um so often I find uh games are not where I go for that outlet often it's other media because I view games through a very specific prism I can't really play a game without thinking about, oh, I should write about that, or oh, I should ask someone about that. Like I just can't because I I often look at games as a framework for stories I'm going to write. Um, it doesn't mean I can't get deeply emotionally invested in them, um, but when I need a break, games are just not where I go. Like I go to television, I go to books, I go to you know other hobbies like politics um, and, and things <laughs> like that too. You know other places to get angry and sad. Yeah, and yeah, cry. yeah. Um, you still yeah, shade in at screens, but it's a, it's a it's a different screen. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, game, you know, it's uh, it, games are just not where I go for that because I just can't, I I just can't disconnect from the way it's entangled with the rest. Um, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I want to ask about the the Mario Maker mornings because they were one of my favorite things on, on the internet for a long time. It was such a wonderful treat. Um, if you don't mind, kind of relaying part of that story like where did that start and how did it get so out of hand well uh i remember uh around the time when uh, my wife and i were talking uh, about starting to try to have kids uh i sort of worked out the timeline in my head i was like okay um that gives me like at least you know roughly nine months like maybe a little longer depending on how long it takes for things to happen and I had just left Giant Bomb, and I was interested in sort of doing my own uh, YouTube and Twitch stuff. I just wanted to see how it would work, experiment with some ideas, and it was a lot of throwing things at the wall and see what sticks, and like, what are people interested in, and what can uh, broadcast to a, a broader net? Like, what is what is my thing? Um, yeah. And I hadn't quite figured that out. Um, and then uh, Mario Maker came along, and I was sort of just at that point just doing daily morning streams before I started work and just playing random games. And, you know, it was fine. I had an audience, but it wasn't really sticking in the way that I, I was hoping for. Um, I played Mario and people seemed to really dig it. And I was, I really enjoyed playing it. And I, I like playing really hard and difficult things. And if there's anything people like watching on the internet, it's people getting frustrated and, yep. uh, and, and getting upset at games. Um, and so, 
Uh, you know, for a couple of days, I started, <clears throat> excuse me, doing that, and people are really uh, enjoying it. So I started doing this. You know, I gave it a name, Mario Maker Mornings, and then finally really kind of took off um, maybe a week or so into it when uh, Giant Bomb uh, made their own level and released it mostly just for it to be a nightmare. And I said, well, that seems like a fun level to play. Um, and that became sort of just a confluence of my my own personal audience, like the old audience I had left behind at Giant Bomb. Um, and it really kind of exploded and started this whole thing uh, with me and Dan Reichert, where Dan is a you know, huge uh, Mario fan, and as am I, but, you know, as I've mentioned before, I'm not much of a creator. I never once made a single stage in Mario Maker, despite probably investing, I actually don't even want to think about how many hours <laughs> um, into it, but, you know, clearly hundreds and hundreds. A lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I played it, you know, weekly, uh, or on, on, on uh, weekdays uh, daily for at least an hour for uh, almost a year, and that didn't include... Um, other streams and, and things like that. Um, so that's a lot of hours. But I never ma made a single stage. I never even locked all the tools to make a to make a stage. Um, and Dan became this fun foil because he liked playing it, but also deeply enjoyed creating it. And because I could be a public foil for him, we you know like it made it more enjoy. You know, it's one thing to make a level and just put it out into the world. It's another to know you're making it for someone. Yeah, and that became such a fascinating thing for me because he would watch my videos figure out what i wasn't good at like for like he knew i hated jumping on musical notes and just could not get the timing down to do the 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 the, the big jump uh, off of one of those which is why uh one of the first stages he made for me like had musical notes everywhere now granted it forced me to understand how musical notes work um so that like took that off his list of um tools he could use against me um but that that whole thing was one of my uh favorite sort of experiences online because it was fun for me it was fun for him and it was fun for the whole sort of like wider community um oh, and, it's amazing uh, it was so so much fun yeah it was just and we got to raise a bunch of money for charity which you know that that's great too you know, I, he got to raise money for um a mental illness and I got to raise money for heart disease, which are both two things that, uh, mean a lot to, to, to both of us. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's just a, a weird, weird thing, but, um, and I'm looking for, you know, I really want them to announce Mario Maker too, cause I want a reason to go back, you know, it's sort of like <laughs> sp spelunky. I just had to kind of cut my off, cut myself off. Um, you know, so when my daughter was born, I basically stopped streaming when my daughter was born because I'd rather spend the mornings with her yeah. um, until she gets boring, and then I'll go back to <laughs> streaming. Um, but but yeah, it's, I, it's it was it was one of the, the more interesting things I was a part of, and I'm looking forward to, to bringing it back whenever they get announced to announcing a sequel to that. That's amazing. Um, I, I'm interested, I guess, in in just to close off like the the past couple of years. Like, has there been any aside from from Mario Maker, which is obviously a, a huge part of it, but is there? any games that have, have come out in the last couple of years that have really had a, had an effect on you and are you as still as excited about games as, as you were as a, a teenager uh well the first one uh the the souls games i did a complete uh 180 on um if you would go back and listen to probably some of the giant bomb uh podcast discussions when uh, vinnie caravella was you know, he, I think he enjoyed Dark Souls, but he really got in, or Demon Souls, but he really got into Dark Souls. Um, that was very dismissive, along with I think the rest of the crew of of that game and that series is just why would want to people want to play these masochistic uh, 
games <laughs> where you just throw your control. Like, I don't get it. Like, that's not a thing I understood. I was pretty dismissive of it. Um, and then it wasn't until Dark Souls 2 was coming out that um, my wife was gone on a trip, I think, for like a week and a half. And so I was just going to be at – it was the winter as well, I think. So I wasn't going out and doing as much stuff. I was yeah. spending more time at home. And I was like, all right, I'm going to – I'm going to play Dark Souls. I'm going to not just play Dark Souls. I'm going to play Dark Souls. Uh, and I did it. And in that week, I you know finished it from, from start to end and just completely fell in love, understood what people found so profoundly interesting about playing those games um, and uh, did that in the lead up to then immediately jumping into Dark Souls 2 like a week or two later. Um, and so that's – now it's – Dark Souls is probably – you know, for a long time, you know, my favorite games of all time were like, if depending on the day, Mega Man 2 or Deus Ex, because they, those two games, other than I think them being incredible, like represented what I found interesting about games in different ways. Like you, if you looked at the games that were often on my game of the year list, like you could trace back um, what I found interesting early on yeah. to, to those two games. And, and now these days it would be depending on the day it would be Mega Man 2 Deus Ex or uh, Dark Souls um, uh, it has gone from a game I was dismissive of or a series or a concept a philosophy yeah. that I was dismissive of to uh, something that uh, is like I can't get enough of and I, I find to be uh, some of my my favorite types of uh, games uh, ever made um, and then the <laughs> remind me of the second part of your question it was just like are you are you, are you still as excited still about excited. games like do you still find it a really yes. interesting place to, to work in totally and it's because of finding things like Dark Souls it's because of finding things like Spelunky um, you know when I tell folks they're like when folks ask me like ah, I'm getting kind of bored of games I was like are you bored of games or are you bored of the games you've been playing where you habitually just buy the new version of the games you've liked in the past and you're just sort of bored of those like it's poor it's possible to be just straight up bored of games but i often I recommend to people maybe think about playing different types of games like you've maybe written off strategy games but like maybe now is the time to try fire emblem or XCOM or crusader kings or, or or something like that like get out there and realize there's like a broad world of video games that are made that you've never tried and that's what i'm always pushing myself to do is to uh the moment i'm bored is to try and realize there's a wider world of experiences that I've either written off um, or never tried. And like, that's what Dark Souls constantly teaches me is like, you, you can have a first impression and that first impression can be totally wrong. Um, because the idea that it's, it's hard for me to fathom a world where I didn't love Dark Souls now, but that totally, that world totally existed for years um, before I went and kind of uh, corrected that grave error and so yeah i i found myself still excited i found myself still interested and i think like the you know a great test of that was uh you know when my father passed away when the birth of my daughter and it's like when you have these big life moments where you, you can find yourself sitting around and going like who the hell cares about games man like they don't matter um you have those moments and then you find that you know, games do matter. Um, you find the games that speak to you that that remind you of why you got into that in in the first place. And uh, fortunately, I continue to find those because uh, if I didn't, I doing what I do uh, is is wonderful. I'm I'm very blessed to have the job that I have, but a lot of it's a grind, and it's hard for me to imagine that I would stick in this doing what I'm doing if 
I, I wasn't excited every day yeah. to do it. That that is uh, that is a perfect place to end. I think, Patrick. Um, if there's anything that hasn't come up that you wanted to mention, or if you want to just let people know where they can find you online and stuff, please take that opportunity. Yeah, you can uh, follow all my work uh, at Waypoint. Um, that's where the vast majority of my writing goes these days. Uh, Waypoint.advice.com. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Patrick Klupik. You can usually plug that username into just about any other service twitch and and youtube channel that you can go back and if you're curious to see those old mario maker videos or or my playthroughs of dark souls you're you're welcome to go check that out but uh unfortunately those have both been sort of neglected these days because my free time is at a premium but i do stream occasionally for waypoint um so um if you go to twitch.tv slash waypoint occasionally you can see me playing neo or yakuza zero or, or some other games what do you think of yakuza zero just as a, a brief uh, aside uh, it's incredible end. i wish i had more time um i played about 10 hours of it fell in love with it and then the horizon zero dawn came out yeah. and then neo came out and now zelda is going to be out in three days and mass effect is going to be out in three weeks and uh, near automata is going to be out in a week or whatever it's it too is much, so patrick it's too much yeah i'm hoping this flood will you know there are always moments where you know games slow down um we're just in a particularly amazing period for for video games in this first couple of months of 2017 um games are going to get delayed things are going to get pushed back that this pace will not keep up uh throughout the entire year let's hope not so i'm I'm excited to get back to i mean yes and no like ooh, like oh no there are too many good video games like what a world i know that is such a uh, i love i love yakuza zero and i want to see the rest of it and I just, I had to put it down. Same with Neo. I had to put Neo down. Like, both those games are games that could easily be on my game of the year list at the end of the year. I just had other stuff come up. Um, and so I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to games slowing down so I can go back to the games that I had to, to put away. I, I'm, I'm firmly of the belief that everybody should just stop making everything for a year. I think that, I think everyone needs that. Just nobody make anything for a year. Just give everyone a chance to catch up. <laughs> Um, and then start again and that'd be come that'd on. be great oh come on how, how good would that be just the, the indulgence of like nothing's gonna happen for a year everything stops everybody catch up get your things in order i think that'd come be on. amazing uh okay good that is a good place to start patrick thanks so much was that okay for you was that fun that's great thanks for having me